Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 6, A New Church Contributors to the Christian Science Journal shared in the afterglow of the dedication services of the Mother Church throughout much of the year 1895. Then, at the end of that year, the focus of attention shifted from the First Church of Christ Scientist in Boston to church construction projects in other cities. Among the earliest of those following Boston's lead was St. Louis, Missouri. If the Seattle students of Christian Science had not already heard about it through personal communications, they would have learned about the new church in St. Louis when they read the December 1895 issue of the journal. Another Christian Science church has been erected and dedicated to the cause of truth, a short article began. It was the result, in part at least, of the labors of Mrs. Julia Field King, aided by her faithful band of students, the journal reported. After about a year as editor of the journal, Mrs. Field King went back to the work of healing and teaching Christian science, this time in the Midwest region. Within three years, about the same length of time she had spent in Seattle, she had taught enough classes to have 50 students to organize as First Church of Christ Scientist St. Louis, and she and her faithful band of students had built a stone edifice on Pine Street between 27th and 28th Street. According to the St. Louis Globe Democrat, it was a handsomely proportioned church with interior decorations exceedingly graceful and harmonious. In total, it cost $28,000. And following the example recently set in Boston, there was no debt after construction. They held a dedication service on Sunday, November 10th, at which was read a telegram from Rev. Mary Baker Eddy. I send my hearty congratulations and a Godspeed to you and your dear church. If there were any lingering doubts about where the Christian science movement was heading under Eddy's leadership, the direction was now clear. Informal groups all over the country were incorporating as Churches of Christ Scientists, and more building projects were in the works. The following summer in Seattle, on August 6, 1896, Christian scientists formed an organization. A few months later, with 18 charter members, they officially became a legal body. This notice appeared in the Seattle Post-Intelligencer on November 8, 1896, under the heading, A New Church. The Christian scientists of this city have united under the name of First Church of Christ Scientist. Articles of incorporation have been filed with the Secretary of State and certification received by the Society. Services are held in Russell Hall, corner of 3rd Avenue and Cherry Street, on Sunday at 11 a.m. 
A reading room is open at the same place every day during the week from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. Strangers welcomed. Russell Hall was a room in the Russell House, a four-story hotel downtown near Pioneer Square. It was one of the few wood buildings that survived the 1889 Seattle fire. The church services for the small congregation were conducted by their elected readers, Mrs. Marina B. Riley, first reader, and Mrs. Frances Carlton Baker, second reader. The same space was used as a reading room, where people could come to read or purchase Christian science literature. Their reading room initially was attended, somewhat irregularly, by volunteers. The Seattle church was growing, but not nearly as fast as Christian science churches in other areas, like the St. Louis church, which was already well on its way to outgrowing the 600-seat auditorium just built. Seattle had come to the attention of Mary Baker Eddy as an area of concern, and she communicated this to Julia Field King in their ongoing correspondence. Field King replied to her teacher in 1897, Seattle has been my puzzle and a matter of much concern ever since I left it. She was writing from London. After the completion of the edifice in St. Louis, she took on a new mission. She crossed the Atlantic Ocean with the goal of building the first Christian science church in England, and she had already made great progress. With such immediate rapid growth in St. Louis and London, the puzzle was why so little had happened in Seattle. In Field King's opinion, they had not yet become real Christian scientists. There were healings happening in Seattle, sometimes simply from reading Mary Baker Eddy's book. As one example, William Riley had been reading Science and Health since 1896 when friends advised him to purchase a copy. Through studying the book, he testified in the Christian Science Journal, he was healed of a 25-year addiction to tobacco, a 16-year problem with eczema and other diseases, including indigestion and partial paralysis. Others in Seattle reported experiencing healing, too. But Seattle had a lack of professional practitioners. In cities all over the United States and Canada where Christian science had been introduced around the same time, there were already many full-time practitioners, even dozens of them. There was moderate growth in the healing practice in Washington State, but primarily in cities other than Seattle. Spokane, on the far eastern side of the state, Walla Walla, in the central part of the state, Tacoma to the south, and Everett to the north. But at times in the 1880s, there were no practitioners in Seattle. There were a few Christian science practitioners who came to Seattle in the 1890s, but only taught for a short time, either moving on, passing on, or choosing not to continue teaching. There were also healing practitioners and teachers who used the name of Christian science, but who were not affiliated with Mary Baker Eddy and had fundamental disagreements with her teaching. For a while, there had been a competing group advertising classes and regular meetings under the name Free Thought Christian Science. Field King told Eddy about some of these competing influences that she believed were scattering her students. She explained, 
the work there is so mixed that it can hardly be called Christian science. They need thorough, painstaking, impersonal, unselfish re-teaching. Seattle is a large, thriving city, and its people are energetic, intelligent, refined, cultured. It is a field worthy of a strong leader. Mrs. Julia Field King was a strong leader, sometimes to a fault. The characteristic that enabled her to travel to a new place and immediately start teaching and forming churches could lead to too much personal control of her students. After Field King left St. Louis, Eddie encouraged the association of students there to turn from person to principal. It was a lesson that Christian scientists everywhere were learning at that time. They were becoming accustomed to following the bylaws in the church manual instead of the opinions and impulses of charismatic people. To support the goal of encouraging everyone to think for themselves through the understanding of principle, even children, one of Mrs. Field King's students in St. Louis, Mrs. Mary Kimball Morgan, in the summer of 1897, took the first steps towards starting a school, a Christian science school, with the blessing of Mary Baker Eddy. Inspired by the Latin word for principle, this school, which should establish thought on a right basis, would be called the Principia. To address the problem of conflicting teachings on Christian science, Mary Baker Eddy asked all teachers not to teach during 1897, and to spend that year studying the collection of her articles in her latest book, Miscellaneous Writings. Then she reorganized her system for training new Christian science teachers. Soon after Field King's correspondence with Eddie about Seattle's need for a teacher, they got one, although only for a brief visit, Edward A. Kimball of Chicago. In January 1898, Eddie established a board of lectureship with five members, led by Kimball. Kimball had taken class instruction with Eddie in 1888 and began quietly practicing Christian science. A few years later, when asked to serve in a more prominent role, he initially felt unprepared and unworthy, but he quickly became a pillar of the large Chicago church. He was a first reader, both during construction and at the November 14, 1897 dedication of their church, a building of Grecian classical-style architecture. It was the first Christian science church building in the great metropolis of the Great West. And because of its special significance, description of this first Chicago dedication was given considerable space in the Christian Science Journal. Reverend Eddy contributed a lengthy letter to be read at the dedication service, along with addresses by both Kimball and second reader Ruth B. Ewing. The services were repeated four times, and all the services had overflowing audiences. Now that Christian science was solidly established in Chicago, Kimball was assigned the role of lecturer. His job was to travel around the country and give talks on Christian science that included the facts about Mary Baker Eddy and a true and just reply 
to public topics condemning Christian science. There had been plenty of condemning Christian science going on in public topics in Seattle. Aside from the articles about scandals and lawsuits relating to Eddie's renegade students, the most common type of newspaper article about Christian science prior to this had the title, Killed by Christian Science, followed by a brief story on someone somewhere in the country who had some connection to Christian science and who had died. At times, local newspapers published sermons by Christian clergy condemning Christian science, calling it anti-Christian, quackery, charlatanry, a semi-religious craze that demoralized women. In 1898, two years after incorporating, the Seattle Church invited Kimball to give a Christian science lecture in Seattle. It was held on Thursday, September 27th, across the street from Russell Hall at the newly built 1,600-seat Seattle Theater, the city's leading venue in the 1890s for variety shows and the earliest movies. Kimball's visit got the attention of Seattle. He had a full house. Kimball began his message with this attention-getting opener. If you had ever sounded the depths of human misery, if you had sat, as it were, by an open grave and watched yourself dying inch by inch, and then, if you had been healed and restored by Christian science as I have been, you could understand the impulsion which induces me to appear before you in this behalf. I stand here as one of a vast multitude of people who have been delivered from horrible depths and who, having come up out of great tribulation, are animated by the one hope of making known this gospel of healing and deliverance to all who have ears to hear. The Seattle Times devoted almost an entire page to the event, by far the most significant news coverage yet, and the first positive publicity for Christian science. The text of Kimball's entire lecture was published under the headline, Explains Christian Science, Defense of the Faith of Those Who Practice Christian Science, covering salient points listened to by thousands of people in the Seattle theater. Considering the thousands attending this first lecture, clearly interest in Christian science had grown since 1890 when Mrs. Field King sold the first 100 copies of Eddie's book in Seattle. Miss Jessie Estep, the new reading room librarian, who was also a new Christian science practitioner, reported in the Christian Science Journal that after Kimball's lecture, there was a marked increase in demand for copies of the book. Also, church member William Riley reported that attendance was up at their services. Since Mr. Kimball's lecture here in September, we have added to the capacity of our hall. Every seat is now taken at our Sunday services, and more chairs will be procured. The level of interest Kimball generated and the larger attendance at services must have been encouraging to the members of the new church. 
but they still needed stronger grounding in the practice of Christian science. While Kimball was in town, he recommended to the members that they contact the board of directors in Boston and request a teacher. They followed Kimball's advice and put in their request. It took more than a year, but Seattle finally got a permanent teacher to support the new church. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.